good morning. Welcome back to the second hour of Love Babs Love Talk. I am delighted because I'm going to be talking to uh, Daryl Roth, who is an award-winning producer. Let me tell you, she's got, what, 13 Tonys? Uh, she holds the, the the singular distinction of producing seven Pulitzer Prize-winning plays. And if that's not enough, <laughs> she is a trustee of the uh, John F. Kennedy Center for Performing Arts and, and Lincoln Center Theater. And uh, and she's inducted into the Theater Hall of Fame. Uh, welcome, Ms. Roth. Thank How you. are you? Thank you. Daryl, please. <laughs> Listen, you got this big old life and all this experience and all these wonderful uh, plays under your belt. What are you up to these days? That's such a good question because I'm sort of at the point of deciding my priorities, honestly. Um, I kind of am like a kid in a candy store when it comes to producing plays and musicals that I like. And I guess after the pandemic and the years that we've all set, set down thinking about what's important to us, um, I have decided to uh, try to be more selective in a way. Oh. So the things I'm working on, which I'm very excited about, um, the Life of Pi, which is, of course, based on the beautiful book and movie, uh, which is in London now, uh, is coming to the United States. It will have its developmental put-together production at ART in Cambridge, and then we will be bringing it to Broadway in March. So that's very exciting. It's a gorgeous story of hope and, and survival, which seems very pertinent, to say the least. Yes. So, yeah. So The Life of Pi. And that's one thing. And then I'm very excited actually and, and uh, looking forward to developing a new play with the amazing Delia Efron. Uh, years ago- is she, is she related to Nora Efron? Yes, Delia okay. is Nora's sister and Nora okay. made you rest in peace. Together we did Love Loss and What I Wore for many years together. Um, and Delia has written a book about a uh, health and romance experience that she's just been through. And it's so gorgeous that she decided she would love to adapt it as a play, which is what we're doing. So that's something exciting, I have to say. I know that story. Yes. I know that story of her. She Did you was... read it in the paper? Yes, that's I know the story. Gorgeous. And then I think I saw her on CBS Morning News talking about this. How right. she was sick, she fell in love, met, met this guy, fell in love, and yes, a crazy I'm so, story. <laughs> I'm so glad you know of it because when she explained the whole situation to me before she wrote the book, I said, Delia, you've got to write this book. <laughs> I mean, first of all, for those of us of a certain age to fall so madly in love and have yes. Romance, that alone is a beautiful story to share. But that coupled with the fact that you were truly at death's door and that this, this love, I think, really helped you come through, of course, with the help of every great doctor in New York City. But, you know, it was the combination of hopefulness and never giving up on, on life and love that makes it such a beautiful story. So she's working on this, the adaptation of her own book to a play. And I'm thrilled to be uh, producing that when the time is right. So that's thrilling. And um, 
in the future, there is a very exciting new musical that's being developed as we speak based on Nancy Drew, which I oh. think, is, you know, a series of books that many of us grew up on and loved. And she was such a plucky gal, you know, it's, it's truly today a story of female empowerment, which is what it was in the days that it, it started its series. And so we're just working on that. So that's kind of exciting. And then I've ventured a little bit into uh, adapting some of the things I've produced for stage uh, for film. And there was this beautiful small uh, play, a one-man play called The Absolute Brightness of Leonard Pelkey. And it's about, um, as many of the things I'm interested in, it's about uh, gender and being true to oneself and you know, finding your brightness wherever that may be. And um, so we're making a movie of that. And that's kind of fun. So I think those are the highlights for the moment that I would share. Mm. <laughs> so now do you, do, you, do you spend any time going back thinking about how you got started and, and lessons learned? Do you do, you do any of that kind of self-reflection? You know, I do because I'm, I'm grateful that my career has been so fulfilling for me. You know, I didn't start producing until I was in my 40s. And I, I talk to young people about the fact that no matter where you start, it's the beginning. And so whether you're young or whether you're older or whether you're in the middle, being able to really find what it is that, that fills you, the passion that, that keeps you going every day and, and keeps you excited about life is something that you have to go for no matter when it is in the cycle of life. So I think about that a lot because, you know, I'm older now and I've been working in theater for 38 years, which is a long time. <laughs> and I find that reflecting is encouraging. People come into my office and they're, <laughs> they're surrounded by so much stuff. You know, I have pictures and posters and you know, every piece of memorabilia from everything I've done. And I, I think that some people walk in and say, oh my God, I think she's sort of on the brink of being a hoarder. <laughs> I say, although they do love looking at everything. But I say, you know what, it's, it encourages me. So being able to look back and keep going forward, I think is why I surround myself with, you know, the things that have, that have filled my life, honestly. Mm -hmm. So now, what, what do you think of the American theater? It's, it's changing, it's evolving. Um, you know, the pandemic has showed us, um, mm -hmm. um, raised some issues around uh, people of color not being centered or historically not being centered. Like, what do you think of where we are in the American theater? And, and what are your thoughts on where it might go? Well, I think we're definitely in a good place as opposed to where we were. Do I think we have miles and miles to go? Yes, I do. But I, I feel that this season and coming out of the pandemic has really inspired all of us to be much more inclusive, to be much more aware of the voices that need to be heard and that perhaps have not been given the platform, the stage, literally, to be heard. Um, there are a lot of new groups of people that are involved in producing. And for me, it's also an involvement in working in all of the areas of stagecraft. 
it's, you know, kind of opening up that pathway for people who have not heretofore been invited into the workplace of being, you know, designers and, and stage crew and working in press, working in publicity. I mean, there's so many areas of theater that offer wonderful career opportunities that are more than what people usually think is, you know, oh, being on stage or being a director or being a producer, you know, and certainly all that's wonderful, but there's a lot behind the scenes. And I, I think we have to really um, open the doors, kick them open for people who have not heretofore really felt as welcome. Uh, so that's a good thing. I think some of the work that's been presented lately um, has shown audiences that the color lines have to be erased. And we have to show the work of everybody that has something to say. And I think that we've had a good season. Kenny Leone, who is one of my favorite directors, has, has been working very hard. His production of Top Dog, Underdog's terrific. I think that um, there's just been so much good work. I mean, the August Wilson plays that are back with Latanya Jackson directing. I mean, that's glorious. So there's that. I personally have always been waving the baton for more women to come into the field because, I mean, if I go back to your question about looking back and reflection, when I started producing, I was one of the very few women at the table. And so it's been my, my, uh, my wish and my vision and my passion actually to bring more women in. I think now there are lots more women producers, lots more young women coming into the field there's some things that have to work better for the people that are, you know, trying hard to find their place at the table. But I'm optimistic. I'm cautiously optimistic. I think the world is changing in general. And theater has always been a place to reflect society, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I've tried to choose plays that do that, you know, that put things on stage for people to think about and, and to hold a mirror up to ourselves in order to make us better, at least point out some problems and say, let's talk about this. Let's look about, let's look at how we can make this a better situation. So I've always been very issue driven, if that's a term in the work that I choose. Um, kinky boots, for example, you know, on the outside, it seems like a lot of glitter and glam and great fun. It's really an important tale about being true to yourself, accepting yourself, accepting others. And the message of that is, you know, glorious. Or the normal heart, which I did the revival of because I felt it was very important to have uh, the younger gay community understand whose shoulders they stood on and what was going on in the day of the AIDS crisis. So that was great. And it got a lot of people activated, which I do love. Um, when we did the play Wit, you know, it wasn't the most cheerful subject. It was about <laughs> a brilliant professor dying of ovarian cancer. Let's start with that. But it made such a difference in the world. I mean, we did, we did something called Talkback Tuesdays, which was one of the first talkbacks on plays many years ago, I'm talking about. And um, we had a lot of medical professionals come and, and caregivers come and see this play. And they talked so honestly and so candidly 
one night we had a, uh, a doctor in the audience who said, you know, it would really be great if you could come to our hospital and do a couple of scenes from the show. And we thought that was a great idea. And we did that. And as a result of that, so many years ago, there is a course that is taught in medical schools now, which is about compassion, ethical compassion. And I feel like we made that happen in a funny way, you know? So what can I say? I think theater is a wonderful way to engage people, to entertain people, to educate people, but to also inspire people to activism and mm -hmm. to make change, which is what I think I love the most about theater, that as, as a producer, I have the uh, great gift of being able to be in a position to choose things that can help in some way uh, change minds and, mm -hmm. and do all those things that I mentioned. I don't know, it feels like a great responsibility and also a great honor. Mm. So when you're picking a play or when plays come across your desk and I'm sure a gazillion come across your desk, I mean, do you, how, what's the process? How do you decide? How do you know, you know, what will be good or what won't be good? And do you trust your, is that instinct, your gut, your intuition? How do you, how do you make these mm -hmm. decisions? Um, it's such an interesting question. And sometimes I really don't know how I do or why I do, but most of it is instinctive. And, you know, I feel if it's interesting to me, maybe it will be interesting to others. I think about areas that I want to focus on. Um, you know, my wheelhouse apparently <laughs> to others is very eclectic, but to me, it's really quite focused on certain areas. I'm very interested in plays about gender. Uh, my son is gay and from early on, I wanted to be able to sort of, you know, help his, his life. I wanted to expose people to plays about gender. So that's important to me. It's very important to me to do plays that have strong women at the core. Wit, we mentioned Proof, which was a wonderful play. Oh, yes. A young woman who solved this math proof and nobody believed that she could or did. Um, that was Beacon. Uh, all of the Edward Albee plays, for me, um, you know, are just amazing. I think he writes women characters better than, than most. And of course, doing Paula Vogel's work in Decent and How I Learned to Drive. So stories about women, stories about gender, stories about my own Jewish heritage are important to me. And, um, you know, family dynamics, basically. I think of August Osage County for a really good example. Um, I, I, those are the pockets that I'm looking at mostly, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, how do I choose? Sometimes the choices are based on what else is going on in my life. Can I do this? Is there a place I can develop a new play? And sometimes I join other producers who already have done the development of something. And I want to, you know, kind of jump on the train because I, I love the idea. I love the work and I don't have to carry the load all by myself. So that's good too. You know, there are lots of ways you can be a producer. You can, uh, as an independent commercial producer, which is what I am, uh, I can work in, in partnership with nonprofit theaters and start work and then move it on to the commercial life. Um, I can work with other producers or I can just develop my own work. So all three of those um, avenues are ways that I, that I produce. 
But I guess the simple answer to your question is yes, it's my instinct and my gut and being kind of true to what it is that I want to be responsible for putting out there in the world. Mm. Well, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that um, from, from what I understand, um, you, you uh, uh, supported Elder Play Project here at the Long Wharf Theater through uh, Theater Forward back in 2016, 2017. I, I'm on the board of Long Wharf Theater, so let me just say oh. that because, because I love theater. Um, I go to theater all over the place. Um, and I don't know if you know that we are we have moved toward an itinerant model that the whole country is sort of looking at because you know theater is changing and we are we we have we have we are moving out of that uh hallowed sacred space of uh Sergeant Drive long long wharf over there um on the canal docks and so we are creating an itinerant model we are going to do theater the new haven will be the stage for the long wharf theater and all its spaces and it's exciting that's scary, scary. <laughs> very exciting well i have a, a yale graduate granddaughter who is a theater performance <laughs> gal so i know there are some really interesting spaces around New Haven because she's performed in some of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, the history of Long Wharf Theater was, was to bring theater to places where theater didn't exist. And so here we are in 2022, going back to our roots. I love that, that, that that's happening because sometimes, and here's an example of where I think the pandemic was actually helpful in life. And that between the Zooming and, and us bringing things to people, right? We got more people engaged. Mm. And so this is what you're doing obviously is in person and that's the best of it all. But it, it is true that sometimes we have to bring the mountain to Mohammed, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I'm all for that. Um, good, you know, Paula Vogel has started something called Bard at the Gate, which came mm. out of the pandemic. She um, is doing, you know, readings of new plays on Zoom because when we did that during the pandemic, uh, we found that more and more people subscribed and, and were engaged. So that's something that is a remnant in a good way. So do you, do you think about the future of theater? Do you think about the production content moving forward? Do you think about you know, uh, all the ways in which theater can grow outside of theaters. I mean, do you, do you have opportunity to do that kind of thinking? Uh, do you mean venue wise? Venue wise and content wise and yeah. community wise. I do think about that. And, and years ago, I think I did something that fits that bill in terms of both subject and venue. I don't know if you remember years ago, there was something called Della Guarda. And then mm. after that, Ferza Bruta. And that was a, an exciting chapter for me personally, because uh, I have this theater space downtown in Manhattan on 15th Street. And it was in its previous life, an old bank. So it can be very flexible space. And when I first took over the space, I was approached by a young producer about this performance piece, I guess I'll call it, called Della Guarda, which was a, a combination of storytelling and acrobatics and flying and, and no words, just music and feeling and emotion. And you would stand, 500 people would stand and look up and it happened around your heads. I mean, it was 
performance art at its finest. And that lasted, believe it or not, for nine years, nine years in the space. And then they came back with a, I like to call it the cousin, which was called Ferza Bruta. Uh, point I'm making is that it's very non-traditional theater in a venue that is not a traditional theater. And it was very exciting, very exciting. I like doing things like that. You know, sometimes they're cost prohibitive, finding spaces, but since doing that, a lot of people come to us and say, you know, can you help us find an interesting venue or, or would you be interested in this, you know, very <laughs> off the wall piece of theater? <laughs> um, and sometimes I'm interested and sometimes it's too crazy for me, you know, or, or I'm focusing on something else, but I like non-traditional theater. I think it engages people that might not necessarily come to theater. And yet after they've seen something or experienced something, you know, I say, let me try something else now. Let me expand my own horizons. So I love the idea of, you know, thinking outside the box, literally. Mm. Now, do you have much opportunity to go to, go to theater? I mean, do you, do you get everything to see everything like on Broadway? <laughs> I, I try to see a lot of things and off Broadway, which I really love. And I, I don't travel all that much, but when I go to London, I try to, you know, have a really wonderful, you know, pack in as many shows as I can kind of vacation. Uh, yes, I try to see a lot. I try to support the nonprofit theaters in the city, especially. So I will, you know, I've been on the board of Lincoln Center Theater for a number of years. I love the work they do and, and MCC and MTC and Atlantic and primary stages. I, I the good work is starting you know, I like to say like a tree and its roots, right? The good work starts at the root of the nonprofit world. Um, and then if it can grow and become a piece of commercial theater, great. And sometimes it doesn't. And that's great too, you know, as long as it's being born and it's being put out in the world, that that's all good. So talk, let's go back to, talk to me about being the only woman in the room for a very long time. And <laughs> And the responsibility, or maybe not the responsibility, of opening the door for other women. And do you do you feel that that that's part of your charge? Uh, yes, I would say that in the beginning, I wasn't the only woman. Of course, Liz McCann, who was my partner on all the uh, Edward Albee plays, and Nell Nugent. There were some women really, you know, ahead of me even. But when I started producing, there were three or four of us. I think it is our responsibility, yes. And I think that passing the baton is all part of what mentoring is about. And so I have done that through the years, not necessarily someone you know, living in my office, but conversations with women you know, on a regular basis, helping encourage them, sharing scripts. Um, I see so many more women now that are willing to take the charge. You know, so I feel good about that. I think it was hard for me in the beginning, and I don't see young women having those same challenges now, but I think it's generational, honestly. For example, I didn't come up through the ranks of theater. You know, I had not worked as a general manager. I had not worked in another theater job. When I started um, producing, it was kind of like the Nike commercial. I just did it and felt <laughs> some kind of weird confidence that I could. Um, but I was looked at by other people in the business as a dilettante because I hadn't, you know, 
had the training or the experience, but I had the passion. I had hopefully good taste in what I was choosing to do. And I was choosing plays that other people weren't so excited about because they were extremely challenging. And so I sort of found my, my aisle to go down, you know, and that was helpful. I think the other thing that's changed, and this is another generational thing, I believe, it was very hard for me to ask for money, to ask other people for money. Um, because in my day, you didn't talk about money, especially if you were a woman. I mean, you'd be at the dinner table and, and money was not a conversation necessarily. And so asking other people for money, which of course is a big part of being a producer, was very hard for me, uh, very hard. I sort of had to put on a mask and pretend I was playing a role when I would ask people for money and it made it easier. Um, young women don't have that problem, it seems to me right now. That's a whole different, you know, that's a whole different thing. Uh, and the other part of, of the difference that I see is that young women are much more entrepreneurial now than I think in my day. And I love that. I love that. Um, you know, we have to find our own confidence. When I was starting, I had to shut out a lot of negative noise of people that, you know, did not encourage me. Nobody was rooting for me. I did not feel that. Now, I think people are rooting for people. And I think it's a, especially women for women you know, bringing women into the fold and encouraging women, you know, to find those projects with other women that they can work with. Seems to be that, uh, that that's really been a great giant step forward from the mm -hmm. time that I started. And I saw the evolution. I don't mean to say, you know, from 1988 to now, uh, things have changed along the way. The journey has been very uh, encouraging, I will say. So, have you thought about your memoirs? Have you thought about <laughs> putting down on paper the story of your life or some of the story of your life? No, actually. I and no one has came to you and said, hey, <laughs> Daryl, let's do this. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, one or two people did. And I don't think it's what I want to do. I want, my, I want the work that I produce to sort of be my memoir. Mm -hmm. I think I really feel... Perhaps my legacy is best uh, is best described by the work that I've done. I would say that. I'm not much into writing books. I'm into reading books, <laughs> but not writing books. <laughs> what are you reading these days? What's on your nightstand? On uh, my nightstand. Um, let's see. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm rereading Amor Taub's uh, Rules of Civility. Oh. I realized because we're trying to make... Oh, I forgot to mention this. There's something for the future. Uh, Gentleman from Moscow. Um, that's going to be a play. And oh. that's, I think, one of his wonderful works. I'm reading that. And I'm reading, I'm catching up on some plays. Uh, Charles Bush, whose work I've produced over the years, has a new play. And that's on my nightstand. In fact, I hope to get to that later today, honestly. <laughs> I love his work. Um, the Tale of the Allergist Wife was one of, my first plays that I did of Charles. And in fact, we're trying to make that into a movie. It's been a long process, but we might be getting closer. I love Charles's work. He's so brave and he's so great. And, you know, he really is a free spirit and has been true to himself all these years. Um, so catching up on plays, I would say. 
Mm. So I know you, you, what brings you to New Haven is uh, you're going to be uh, in conversation with three other women, uh, women in producing uh, from the, from the page to the stage at the Schwartzman Center tomorrow. And uh, to be three, three, three very different women talking about your lives and producing. Um, Zibby Owens, who is a memoirist and essayist and author and entrepreneur and uh, Camila Forbes, who is uh, producer at the Apollo Theater. So these are y'all are three very different women, but all producing, producing women. Um, I, I think that's a lovely mix of, of women. Do you know any of them anyway? Uh, I do know Zibby. Um, Zibby is a wonderful young woman. I actually am a friend of her mom's, which is how I know <laughs> Zibby, outside of her wonderful, uh, exciting career. And I met Camilla, but I don't uh, know her as well as I would like to. Uh, so we've all met one another. Um, and I think it will be a lively discussion. I do. I and it's good so. that we're all from different areas, you know, so it will bring, it will bring, I think, a, a lively conversation for those that come. So before I, before we, uh, we wrap up our conversation, uh, Daryl, tell me what, what is the, the one thing that you haven't done that you, that you want to do? that there's something out there that you've, you know, it's just out of reach and you're like, you know what? I think this might be the time to reach for it. Hmm. What an interesting question. Um, I try to always be grateful for what I have on my plate, but if I were to wish a bit, I think I would, professionally anyway, I, I would wish that I could in fact uh, turn some of the plays that I love that I want to last more into film so that they could be seen and they could be enjoyed. Uh, sometimes, you know, they don't find their audience at the time that they're being produced. And so we depend on the future for the plays to be licensed and done in different cities and whatnot. But I kind of feel that if some of them were really captured on film, they would truly last. So I'd like to do that. I'd like to do that. And I guess the other thing on my wish list is that I continue uh, finding good projects to produce until I can't. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's really my big wish because I do love theater. I love live theater. I think there's nothing like it. And the, the engagement in the community that, you know, that comes out of that is something that we can all be very proud of and grateful for, I think. Well, you have... Uh... You have added such vibrancy and uh, uh, richness to the American theater um, that is unmatched. And, uh, and I'm so glad I had opportunity to talk oh, to you today. You're so sweet to say that. And thank you. I, I am too. Well, let's continue our new friendship. And I, I absolutely I'm excited will. I'm about the Longmore poll thing. That's, that's news to me. And I'm really very happy that's happening. That, that's exactly what we need to have happen. Bring theater to the people. Yes, we're doing it. It's a brave new world. Good for you. Good for doing you. it. So right. thank you so much. And thank yes, I, I definitely would love to stay in touch with you because I think this is an ongoing conversation. I'd love it too. Okay, that, that's a deal. All right. So Thanks. take good care. Happy holidays. A good All Thanksgiving. Yep, and stay healthy and stay you happy. Too. On we go, right? All right. Enjoy your conversation tomorrow and uh, we'll thank connect you. soon. All right, stay in touch. Thank you, Daryl. All right. Bye-bye. So if y'all are interested, go to the Schwartzman Center from the page to the stage, women in producing tomorrow, 12 o'clock.
bring a lunch. It'll be a good conversation from 12 to 2. You will not be disappointed. Plus, the Schwartzman Center is swanky. It's a very swanky space. So I'm out, good people. Thank you. Tomorrow, 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 I am uh, chatting with, uh, who am I talking to tomorrow? Oh, Sean, Sean Hardy and Andrea Daniels. They've got a production too, and we're going to hear about it tomorrow. So thank you all for listening. Harry, I'll see you tomorrow. Thank y'all. Y'all be safe out there. Mm-hmm.